Hi, I'm Tom Pritchard, and joining me on the Marriage Champions podcast today is Jiva and Sologena Sam from St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. They are marriage mentor couple, and they are the authors of the book, The Unbreakable Marriage. I found it an engaging and refreshing book on marriage. But before we turn to the book, Jiva and Sologena, share a little bit about yourselves, your background, how you met, uh, you know, how you got into marriage mentoring. Well, how many hours do we have? It can be a long story, but we'll give you the, mm-hmm. the Reader's yeah. Digest version of it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> um, so both of our families are uh, Indian in origin. Uh, I grew up uh, in, in India and uh, Slojana. Yeah, I was born in Malaysia. Um, and then when my dad retired, I was about 15 and we moved to India. And then, uh, yeah. When- so, yeah, so in the meantime, our family had moved to Canada when I was 18 years old. And so so seven years later, uh, you know, we went back to India. But in the, in the meantime, I'm ordained as a pastor in a Canadian denomination. And I'm settled in a small town in Saskatchewan on the prairies uh, in Western Canada. And so, so we go home for the first time, actually, the whole family together. And, and, you know, as we're going, you know, my parents are, are saying, you know what, uh, you know, we're there for about six weeks all together. And, um, you know, let, let's see if we can arrange a marriage for you. And so that, that was not the primary purpose of the trip, but it's almost like, well, if it happens, it happens. And so, uh, so that's, that's, of course, you know, the very common way in which marriages take place in India, even today. I don't know what the percentage is, but I would venture to guess that, you know, like 80% plus of marriages in India, even today, are arranged marriages. It was quite a bit higher uh, when we got married uh, back in 83. Yeah. 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 So we had, a, you know, uh, they called them um, marriage brokers. So, yeah. So they brought our families together and our parents met first and talked about all the details. And, you know, they talk about... Um, uh, well, even before the uh, the marriage broker will have a list of names, and our parents will tell them, you know, what kind of uh, like say for my uh, from my side, my dad told them, you know, it has to be a Christian family. Uh, they even uh, mentioned the education level, um, and then talk about the dowry and all that, and then you know, uh, and then they try and match from their list. So that's how yeah. we brought our yeah, parents together. Yeah. And then they allowed us to talk for about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a huge concession on the part of her father. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> many, many couples in India, uh, you know, just they, they don't even actually meet ahead of time, uh, at least in those days, you know, before yeah, all the social right. media yes. and uh, communication means that we have today. Uh, so essentially... I think the, the the crux of the matter in terms of arranged marriages is that you trust your parents with your life, literally, yeah. uh, that that they will uh, choose wisely, uh, and they have a perspective that they bring to matching you that you may not have because you can go on just looks and feelings and so on, and you can end up making horrible mistakes, uh, and so so you trust the judgment, you know, of your parents. And they also do all the checking, you know, like, uh, 
here uh, the two people find out uh, about themselves when they are dating. Uh, but here our parents, you know, they, they check with the teachers, uh, uh, family, friends, neighbors uh, about, about Jiva and his family background to make sure everything... Her dad did anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we found out afterwards about the uh, extensive research that he did. Because <laughs> we, we didn't provide character references, but uh, he knew enough people that he would go, he went and checked, checked out with them to make sure that uh, he was marrying his daughter off to somebody that would uh, take care of her. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously in the West, that's not the common practice, but if you had to do it over, would you have done the same way? Uh, or I, of course, with your children, I don't think you approached it that way, but you know, mm -hmm. How, yeah, how do you view that? What does that what does that tell you about the nature of marriage? You know, and the way that we do it has been done in the West with the dating, which seems to me kind of a hit or miss sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, for us it didn't seem strange, and probably still wouldn't seem strange because that's what we grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like right. everybody in the family, everybody in the community, yeah, you know, had arranged marriages. As a matter of fact, this is kind of an odd term to use, but in India, if two people chose each other, they would call that a love marriage <laughs> because they love each other. <laughs> Whereas with the arranged marriage, um, you loving each other is not the condition for being married uh, because you know that with time, love will uh, you know, grow in your marriage. It's a choice that yeah. you make yeah. you know, after you get married. Yeah, choose yeah. to love that person that... Um, your parents, uh, you know, have uh, have arranged for you. Yeah, and, and in some ways, the 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 choice, you know, to love uh, is the same. You know, whether your marriage is arranged by your parents mm -hmm. or you're arranged it yourself, you know, you have to That's continually true. make a decision to love the person, you know, that you chose as well or was chosen for you, because that's what's going to keep the marriage going. Yeah, that's true. And growing. Yeah. So, what do you think is uh, is there a best approach? Uh, you know planned kind of a courtship or uh, a dating or is it it really vary on the situation <laughs> well you know because of you know you know uh, well we lived in canada for um, like i've been here since 76 and slowly since 83 so uh, and we basically served congregations that were like mostly you know like white uh, canadian folks so not a whole lot of an ethnic mix certainly not a I don't think any of our congregations, you know, that we served ever had uh, anybody that was of our same background. And so we got to see a lot of people. Of course, you know, I did my fair share of weddings. Um, and, you know, like one of the things that uh, that that we see, which I think uh, is, um, it's, it's kind of like the prevailing, you know, custom, which is like, like date enough people until you find the one that, you know, is the, is the best, best suited for you. And, and I, I think there's some, some issues that we're now beginning to recognize happening from that approach, uh, especially when we started, you know, uh, being trained for inner healing ministry and so on. You know, we, we found that people often would come and carrying baggage from those relationships, you know, mm, some yeah. of the, the breakups, you know, which ended up causing, you know, sense of rejection, you know, abandonment. Uh, there were betrayals, infidelity, all this kind of stuff. And so, so in a sense, we were spared all of that right. by our parents. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think, um, you know, like one of the things that we, we advised our children 
and I wouldn't say they all followed it to a T, is basically like, you know, when you start to date somebody, like ask God, you know, is this the person that could be my wife? You know, you, you won't know for sure until you get to know them a little bit. Um, unless, you know, God really zooms in and says, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like, don't just date indiscriminately just for the right. sake of dating. Um, you know, because you may end up breaking somebody's heart in the process and like, why go through that? Right? Yeah. 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 The other thing I thought, you know, the dating is fine. I, uh, you know, from what we, we have learned from arranged marriages, uh, you know, get somebody um, whom you trust or somebody uh, who's older, who have been married for a while, get their perspective because our parents, you know, see, yeah. saw it from a dif- different perspective. There's no emotions attached. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so so they they knew, you know, what they were looking for. Uh, so if they can, uh, if, while dating, you know, as a, or even as a pastor or somebody, um, yeah, that, that know maybe even both of them and mm-hmm. uh, ask for their opinion, you know, if they are, uh, they're, sometimes they're too young to make uh, that decision too. So that, I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong, you know, dating. Uh, as long as they have boundaries and uh, right, right. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn to marriage mentoring. How did you get into that? Uh, was have you always had a, a passion for marriage ministry, or is this something that came <laughs> came later? Or how, how did how did you well, Lord bring you into this? Yeah, I think He tricked us into it. Is probably the most honest answer because uh, we weren't looking for it. Let's put it that way. Uh, so there's a little bit of a backstory to it. Uh, I mean, we we're just, you know, merrily going along our own way in our marriage. Uh, and, and we got approached by uh, the, the largest Canadian Christian television uh, network um, around the time that the movie Fireproof uh, was becoming popular. And a lot of, you know, churches were encouraging people to watch it and so on. And of course, in the movie Fireproof, there's something called the 40 the Day Love Dare. Uh, which actually in the in the movie there were not 40 days there were just a few days but it really got people's attention that the producers had to come up with the remaining 36 days or days or whatever and produce this book that existed in the movie fictitiously and so so this uh, television network thought you know what we need to encourage our viewers to actually go through the 40 day love dare but let's do it in a slightly different way than we normally would do these kind of things. Let's invite three couples, you know, who would agree to go through all the 40 dares, uh, days of the love dare and produce a, a vlog, a video blog at the end of each day, detailing their experience. And so, so we got asked to do that. And I think we were probably the couple that was married the longest among them all, 26 years. At that time, at that yeah. time, and we're the only ones that were in arranged marriage. So we, uh, so we, you know, we were chosen to, you know, have some balance. I think one of the couples had been married for for under ten years. I know that for sure, and the other one was in the teens. And so, uh, so we went through that. It was a great experience. And even though we'd been married for like twenty six years at the time, uh, like it, it actually helped us, mm-hmm. you know, grow in our relationship. And yeah, uh, we learn more about each other. And- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 And then after that, um, you know, we thought that's it, you know, and uh, but um, a few months later, a few years later, every time, you know, we go somewhere, 
uh, or even in our church, you know, people will ask, you know, uh, or outside the church, they'll say, oh, are you the couple, you know, that uh, 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 that were, did the love there uh, in 100 Huntley Street? And and our, uh, our church members have approached us, hey, you guys did the 40 days love there, maybe you should do that again. And, you know, every time somebody brought that up, I felt like Holy Spirit saying, you know, uh, that was not the end of it. It was just the beginning. And I want you to do something more with marriage. Uh, I would talk to Jiva and I would tell him, I think, you know, God's calling us to do something more along the line of marriage. But I didn't have a clue what it was going to be. Uh, but I knew, you know, God would lead us. Um, so Jiva, would, Jiva was not ready at all. He said, it's too much work. Uh, and they will suck the life out of you. He, said. <laughs> <laughs> he told me many times, let's not even go there. And so, yeah, so I thought, you know, I, I'll leave him alone. It's It's got to come uh, from both of us, right? So I left him alone. Um, and again, a few months would go by and I would bring it up. No, he said, no, no, we are not doing that at all. So I was praying, you know, I thought we were going to miss the calling, uh, but eventually then. Yeah. yeah. So in the meantime, uh, like I was, I was growing more in the prophetic ministry. And so because of that, um, there were some, some kingdom entrepreneurs and uh, uh, people in leadership in business and so on uh, that had asked me if I would, you know, provide them with some prophetic input into their enterprises and also teach them to hear God's voice, you know, for themselves. So I was doing a, uh, more of a mentorship, you know, uh, in, in that, that area. And they were all men uh, that, that I was working with and, and they were doing very well, you know, with applying what, uh, what, what they were learning from us because we were just teaching them biblical principles. Uh, but then I've noticed at a certain stage, they were beginning to hit a plateau, uh, which really puzzled me because they were doing all the right things, uh, you know, in terms of applying, you know, the biblical principles um, but like, why, why was it not, why were they not advancing beyond a certain level? And so when I asked the Holy Spirit about it, uh, he very simply said, ask them all about their marriage. And so when I started asking them, guys, how are you doing with your wives and so on? It became very obvious what the, uh, you know, the, uh, the bottleneck was, what was their marriages. And so, so, so that kind of alerted me that I need to do something, but I still wasn't going to do anything. Uh, because I knew that that would shift the whole nature of their mentorship I was doing with them, and it would be way too much work. And so I didn't want to go there. And so I just let it slide, and it was in the back of my mind. Then all of a sudden, it was uh, in a matter of about five or six weeks, a number of them, uh, and not just the ones that are mentoring, even outside, called and said, uh, hey, you know, you know, we remember you guys were on the love there, and, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, you know something about helping people with their marriage. You know, and, and we need help desperately. And so at that point, I felt like the Lord cornered me. And it's like, uh, like, like, are you going to dare to say no now? And I said, no, Lord, I'm not going to say no now. I'm saying yes, uh, even if it's reluctantly. Um, and so it's like, okay, what do we do? You know, how are we going to uh, mentor these couples, you know, back to wholeness? And so... So we're just seeking the Lord about it, and and we were on a uh, on a plane uh, from Toronto to Los Angeles for Azusa now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, yeah, we got a download. 
of uh, what the the start of the curriculum, you know, mm. yeah. And Jiva, right away, you yeah, I took out my iPad and just started, yes. uh, you know, writing down everything that was coming. Uh, it was very scattered, actually. Like yeah. the, the stuff that came out was there was no order to it, and yeah. so, but I knew it was coming because it was coming so fast and furious that I had to write it all down. And and then I think after we came back from California, mm -hmm. we went back and looked at it, and we all of a sudden saw, okay, that's how these pieces fit together. And so, so we 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 had. Uh, I would say the outline of a curriculum, uh, but then how are we going to get the word out? And so I actually hired a couple of guys who actually used to be youth pastors, uh, and, and then they started a consulting business. And so, so I, you know, paid them some good money uh, to help them design something. And so they basically, you know, guided the, uh, us in the process and just said, make a 15-minute video explaining what you do, throw it out there on social media and see if uh, anybody, you know, responds. And that'll give you an idea of, you know, if there's a demand for what you're offering. Uh, and so so we just did a video, a screen share video type of thing, and uh, and put it out there. And uh, within a few days, you know, a woman that I knew uh, contacted us and said, hey, uh, you know, our marriage is in really bad shape. We've been married for four years, but we're living like roommates. And so uh, can you help? And so we thought, okay, we're gonna like we're gonna try our curriculum on them, and uh, and see. And we didn't tell them, of course, that they were guinea pigs, uh, but that's what it was. But lo and behold, you know, the Lord honored that, that outline that He gave us, and they had a tremendous breakthrough uh, in a very short time. I, I think it was maybe like even eight weeks, yeah, at the most. Yeah, that's and so at that point we realized we're on to something, and and then we started to you know share a little bit more and. Uh, you know, more and more couples started to uh, come, and uh, and then of course the program has evolved. You know, from where it was then, uh, and along the way, I connected with uh, a wonderful guy named Perry Marshall uh, in Chicago, who's uh, like a, a, a like a well-known name in in marketing circles. And uh, but Perry is also like a committed Christian, as a pastor's kid, and so he you know had a good appreciation of what we were doing because he was dealing with a lot of people. You know, who had troubles with their marriage as well, and so he, you know, provided us with some some input, and and basically got us to the point of saying, like, we can actually offer people a money back guarantee because we have a system that works so well that if anybody that follows it will get the breakthrough. Like it's a it's a done deal. Uh, just they just have to do certain things, uh, you know, consistently, and we'll hold their feet to the fire to make sure that they do it, and. And that's been the, the the story, Tom. Since then, mm -hmm. is uh, like any couple, every couple that has come to us for mentorship, that has done everything we've taught them, and remained consistent with it, has received a breakthrough. So, what you talk about a system? How? Yeah. How do you view your approach, or what you feel the Lord's given you regarding marriage? Um, is effective is there something that's unique do you think or you know when you look at your approach how do you how would you characterize it well you know one of the fundamental principles that we operate by is uh, the way we phrase it is you don't have quote unquote marriage problems but you are two couples with your own problems i'm sorry you're two individuals with your own problems coupled together in a marriage hmm. and and a lot of times like when when we we, you know, we've talked to couples, most of the couples that come to us, by the way, 
have already gone through counseling. Some of them have gone through therapy, uh, met with their pastors, you know, like, so they've done some work um, and yet they haven't seen the results. And, and I think back to my pastoring days, you know, before I got, you know, the kind of revelation that we operate under now, when a couple came to me and said, um, you know what, like, we are fighting all the time. You know, we cannot resolve conflicts. So my solution was always to pull out a pattern of conflict resolution. And I would help them go through it with a, with a particular presenting problem and say, here, take it home, work on it, and you'll, you know, you'll do fine. And they're just so grateful because now they got a common pattern that they can work on <laughs> that they would not have to fight over. Well, about three months later, they'd, they'd be back. And they'd say, um, it's not working faster. I'm like, what do you mean it's not working? I told you, I taught you how to work. You know how to work it. Well, we never got to the stage of actually pulling out the pattern. <laughs> Things are that bad. And so... So, so at that point, I was what I would do is I would just refer them to somebody else because I kind of felt like, like I was out of my depth in taking them deeper on that part. But not, but then when I, when I look back at it, I began to realize that the 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 real issue was not the problem they were presenting. The real issue is what they brought into the marriage that was not yet healed. Mm -hmm. And so when two people who are hurting are coupled together in a marriage, they will end up hurting each other. But when two people who have received a measure of healing are coupled together in a marriage, they will do their very best to help each other with their healing um, and, and will, will not resort uh, to hurting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some of this, um, you know, uh, when we say hurts and uh, things like that, it can go even go back to childhood. You know, if there was uh, any trauma or abuse or, um, or hurt, you know, the uh, abandonment, there's so many things. If, right. if those things have not been taken care of and, you know, the, then, then they would, you know, treat each other, you know, through, through those lens, you know, unhealed lens. So, so when, when they come to us, you know, that's one of the things that we do, send them to uh, train, uh, train people that will help them, you know, resolve those things with lots of forgiveness, prayers, and um, yeah, all the things, tools that they use. Forgiveness is the big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that they, when they come back, um, in most cases, we have noticed that's the that's one of the key ingredients that brings about the breakthrough mm -hmm. in the marriage. Yeah. yeah. Like we're finding a lot of couples, you know, keep a lot of things to themselves. Mm. That you know, they don't deal with their hurts, you know, even from their spouse immediately you know they they and you know if in the beginning it's a it's a little bit of an overlook you know like love has eyes but love also has eye, eyelids you know and so they kind of close their eyes and oh that's fine you know that's just for now you know he'll change you know she won't be like this all the time that type of thing uh, but then then it you know like things get a little bit uh, on the uh, worse and now it's like when you bring it up there's usually an explosion and so, so they, they're not sure how to handle it. Uh, and so rather than at that point choosing to forgive, because love is a decision, a choice, choosing to forgive, uh, you know, they just, you know, like start to, you know, build uh, some anger, which turns to resentment, which can turn into a bitter root. Uh, and so by the time they come to us quite often, like they, they are, they feel like they're too far too gone. And it's simply because 
they have allowed certain things mm -hmm. to to build up and so so yeah as Lord just said you know quite often even though th there may be hurts in the marriage and that have got them to that point uh whenever we uh, dig the roots of mm -hmm. you know where it came from more often than not uh, it goes back to something that happened before they ever got married uh, that they had not dealt with and even when we're talking about dating like some of those things can go back to their dating days, you know, where there was again like rejection, abandonment, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So would you would you say that um because your couples probably coming to you are obviously further along in their difficulties, so they're really dealing with some deeper issues. Do you think it varies from couple to couple? I mean, some would some couples just need maybe some coaching and communication or listening. Uh, or would you say that all couples need to probably dig deeper and look at areas of unforgiveness? Or does it really vary yeah. on the couple by couple? Yeah. Well, our niche is really like we look for couples who are at the point of breaking down. Okay. And pull crisis. them out of the fire. Yeah, yeah. Crisis mode and like one step away from divorce court, like that type of thing. And so most of the time people come to us as a last resort. Okay. And, and, and there's a reason why we look for couples like that. Because uh, if they're really serious about getting things back on track, they're very motivated, you know, to change and to avoid like the cost of a divorce, not just we're not just talking financial, like whether there are children involved, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so they're, they're considering all these factors and saying, if there's some way that we can avoid getting divorced, and, you know, paying that cost, maybe for generations to come, uh, then, you know, here's a couple, they're, they're, they're willing to help us, they're guaranteeing results. If we do the thing, so we'll do everything. And so, so when people are at that point of like, sometimes we actually use the word desperation. Like, the more desperate you are, the better results you're going to get, uh, because we'll also they'll also you know do everything that we ask them to do. And and so, for the most part, we don't run into that problem uh, with couples. Uh, but since the book came out, uh, we're actually you know getting requests from couples, you know, who say, well, no, we're not quite that far down the road but we know that if we don't do something right now that'll be us a few months a few years down the road and so uh like what can we change yeah our, our couples uh before getting married you know there are a few that are quite a few actually that are approaching us uh to get um you know um uh, go through the mentorship before they get married um yeah the one other thing i was going to add tom is uh before we start the mentorship, we um, put them through, or uh, we make them uh, do an assessment. Um, yeah, it's um, uh, it's yes, called well prepare enrich. Prepare, uh, it's right. actually based in uh, in Minnesota. Right. Okay. Yeah, they started in Canada actually in uh, Alberta, and then I don't know all the story of how they got to Minnesota, but now their headquarters uh, is in Minnesota. And so we use the inventory, mm -hmm. like it's something that's been used. I think the last number I heard was 4 million couples uh, have gone through the inventory. And I started using it fairly early on in my ministry. And I always found it to be a very accurate yeah. assessment. Uh, and because the at least the, the initial people that put together <clears throat> all had a Christian you know, worldview, uh, then it's very much geared towards you know people of faith, uh, even though a lot of couples that take it are not Christians. But but they're very respectful of the faith traditions and take that into account. Uh, so at that point, yeah, mm, that kind of gives us a picture of uh, where their marriage is at, how much work they need, 
um, yeah, so that that will be helpful for us, right? Mm -hmm. to, yeah, yeah, to know um, how how bad or what what are the um, areas that they need to work on. Um, yeah. So, so do you? I know in the book you talk about the spiritual atmosphere, spiritual blockages or blocks, and then individual issues. Do you always look at that area of the spiritual atmosphere? And you know, what are some of the key things you address in that area? Okay. Yeah. Well, one of the things we quickly recognize, because especially when we had people come to us that had already gone for counseling, therapy, uh, you know, they, they read all the books on marriage and watched all the DVD series and still get the results. Then again, it's the Holy Spirit alerting you to these things, right? You know, it's basically saying, hey, their atmosphere mm -hmm. is still toxic and they cannot grow. Even if they apply these things, uh, you know, if you, it's like a greenhouse, you know, where plants mm -hmm. cannot survive, you know, when the, when there's toxic gases in there. <laughs> and so you need to help them uh, to clean up that atmosphere you know, and, and to, to be very, you know, like even more precise about it, uh, like here we are helping them, you know, to get their marriages back on track with the power of the Holy Spirit, but they also need to have ha make that happen in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is always welcome. And and so, so that's where the starting point is. So uh, once the spiritual atmosphere shifts, now we can take them a little bit deeper, you know, into removing the spiritual blockages, uh, and then, you know, we teach the communication and all the other things, conflict resolution and so on. Uh, and, and, and maybe that's one of the things you were asking earlier about, like, what is unique about the mentorship? Uh, and that's definitely something that you know, the couples tell us, like, we never heard, you know, anything like this before, where you had to do these um, daily habits, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it kind of builds a solid foundation for their marriage. Because uh, lots of them, uh, you know, still you, we find out they are not getting into the word regularly. Uh, even praying together, it's a big thing. They, you know, we find out even, even pastors, you know, they don't pray together at home. So those kind of things, you know, the, it kind of builds a solid foundation. And then from then on, you know, it, it gets better. You know, you can teach them other things and help them deal with their... Um, the spiritual blockages and move on yeah so so what would be some of the habits in that area of the spiritual atmosphere that you would address or seek to have them address well the first area we start out um, is is you know what we call stillness or soaking mm -hmm. uh, something that we soaking is something we learned from uh, cast the fire church uh, in toronto uh, the days when it was called uh, TACF, Toronto Airport uh, Christian Fellowship, uh, John Carroll Arnott, the senior, you know, the founding pastors of Catch the Fire, uh, especially Carol Arnott is the one that I really learned about soaking from when I first started uh, going there for conferences and so on. And so, so soaking very simply is a time when you do nothing but stay in the presence of the, of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and say, Holy Spirit, come have your way with me and just let him do whatever he wants to do with you. Um, but you don't read the Bible. You don't sing. You don't pray. Just the stiller you are, the better, the more time he has. And, and what it did for us personally, uh, when we started practicing it, it just gave us such a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the things we found is that couples come to us 
and they have a lot of anxiety. Uh, they have fears. They're still not sure if their spouse is going to, you know, stick it with them. Uh, and and sometimes they are coming with even like deeper issues, the stress, uh, stress, a lot of stress. And so uh, so what we so that's why we we teach that as the first habit, because once they just let learn how to be still. Well, Psalm forty six ten, right? Be still, and know that I'm God. And so, so when when they start to experience some of that peace, then the way they, you know, even deal with what's going on, changes completely. So that's a that's a big atmosphere shifter. And what's another one that you think is really important? I think the other one. Um, there were a few other things we we talked about. You know, the praying together. Um, getting into the word worship and the other big thing is uh, journaling I think uh, the gratitude yeah, gratitude journal so mm. we we teach them to write uh, two two different you know the uh, things that they are thankful for each day one is you know uh, just in general what are you thankful for maybe the weather or your health or children um, those kind of uh, journaling and the second one is about your spouse um, well, you know, what are you thankful for, for your spouse? So in lots of cases, when they come to us, they don't see anything good, you know, in, <laughs> in their spouse. So we tell them, you know, usually to go back to their dating days. Uh, um, yeah, before they got married, you know, think about the things that you liked about your spouse and write, uh, you know, that's a good start. Start with that. And then a few weeks down the road, we get them to share with each other. And when they are comfortable, um, yeah, when things get a little bit better and take, uh, take it from there. Mm -hmm. um, those are the yeah. things. And again, it's, uh, you know, enter this gates with thanksgiving and the sports with praise. Uh, so, so thanksgiving, you know, basically opens the gates to the presence of God. And so again, so that, that's why it's also a, a huge atmosphere shifter. Uh, and so when you start looking for things to be grateful for and not just things to be hateful for about each other, uh, then, then, then that's, that's a game changer. And so, so essentially, uh, I mean, those are a few. There's, there's a few other habits where we get them to talk to each other and you know, share some spiritual insights uh, that they have gained. Yeah, listening uh, to the scriptures. Yeah. And we, again, we, we put together a, an audio recording uh, where Slodan and I actually read through some scriptures uh, that talk about love and marriage. And, and our son, uh, our older son, Satya, who's an excellent musician, set that to some very soft, you know, soaking type music. And so basically to let the word get into them mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And, and what we found is that when they do this consistently uh, for, well, you know, you've heard this expression that if you, uh, do something uh, regularly for 21 days, then like that becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Dr. Carolyn Leaf is one of the people that's uh, often, you know, given credit for uh, for teaching that to the body. Well, if you read her books, what she actually says uh, is that a 21 day cycle is a good start, but when you have three 21 day cycles in a row, 63 days, then it really becomes a part of your life, and you'll have great difficulty getting rid of it because it becomes so much a part of you. And so, so one of the things that we instituted in our mentorship is that, you know, we give them a couple of weeks, you know, to learn the these different habits because some of them are new to some of the folks, uh, especially like soaking, we find. There's another one that we teach, uh, you know, called the four C's, 
you know, which is refraining from uh, criticizing, condemning, complaining, and comparing. Um, and so these are some things that they haven't, you know, heard before. Uh, but once they get to know or get good at practicing them, then it's like now we aim for consistency. Uh, so there's a daily accountability sheet mm -hmm. that they have to check off that we monitor uh, because it's a Google Doc. And, and just once they do that consistently, now all of a sudden that atmosphere shift, you know, actually does happen. And you can actually even feel a little bit of a softening, you know, in the way that they talk to each other, treat each other. And it sets the stage for them to do some deep work uh, in terms of, you know, forgiveness and so on. Because if the ground isn't softened in already uh, for the Holy Spirit to move in that kind of an intense way, then they'll be at each other's throats again. So, so these, these habits pave the way uh, mm -hmm. for, the, for the tough work to happen. So, so you would have them practice those things on a daily basis then. It's not just, here's some things, go do it, but you're actually kind of coaching them or holding them accountable. Like on the soaking, what do they spend just time just quiet and just quiet their minds down and just invite the Lord's presence? Is that how that would work? Yeah, yeah. So um, we tell them to start uh, uh, with 15 minutes a day. Uh, and then increase it slowly to half an hour would be the best or the more the better. So they would just, um, yeah, stay in the presence of God. And, you know, we get them to keep a piece of paper handy and always, you know, uh, this different thoughts will come to your mind. So just to get rid of those thoughts, we tell them, get them to write it down. Once you write it down, whether it's a shopping list or what you're going to cook for supper, you know, <laughs> Uh, you write it down, then it won't, you know, bother you anymore. And then once they get into, you know, the presence of God and feel that peace, um, sometimes, you know, uh, lots of times they, they hear from God. Sometimes, um, you know, it can be just a word or sometimes it's, uh, you know, just thoughts just flow. Or a uh, picture. Picture, yeah. yeah. Um, or God might be giving them uh, some ideas on something they are working on, a project or a prayer they've been praying for a while. Mm -hmm. So lots of things happen, even yeah. healing. Yeah. yeah. And one of the motivations for couples to stick to the habits is because our, our money back guarantee is conditional upon them maintaining a 63-day consistent record of doing all the habits. Mm. Uh, now, to be totally upfront with you, I don't know if we have had maybe one or two, one or two couples uh, who have done all uh, all of the 63 days without fail. Uh, but the thing is, even when they don't do it all, they do enough mm -hmm. that there's a change uh, that that happens and then sets the stage for the for for the next phase of the mentorship process. Yeah, and we also have this. Um... Uh, the spreadsheet where they, like Jiva was saying, where they have to check off that they are doing these things every day. So we are able to see that too. Uh, so that's how they they keep keep us uh, keep accountable with us. Mm -hmm. uh, and and there have been doing. certain cases where we noticed a couples uh, couples are slacking off, or one person might be slacking off, and you know we we call them on it, and we we've even asked some couples to stop the mentorship because. It's like, hey guys, you're not going to be consistent with it. You're not going to get results, and you know we don't want you to say that it didn't work because you're not working it the, the way. Well, if you don't have the discipline, 
uh, you know, or the desire to keep going, then uh, like, please don't, you know, because you're not going to get the results. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you do you recommend couples continue this after they're done with you? That yeah. they should continue all the habits ongoing, or yeah, when we follow up with couples afterwards, and sometimes you know, we, because we've been doing it for like five years, coming up to six, uh, when we meet up with couples, they're at various stages in their marriage. And one of the things we found, the ones that are still thriving are the ones that are doing at least some of the habits. They're not doing all the habits on a daily basis, uh, but they're still you know, doing the habits because they become such a part of their life. But then you still have to keep on uh, you know, uh, disciplining yourself you know, to doing them. And, and one, the ones that do, uh, there's definitely a difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll, you know, their their marriage will be stronger and the it will thrive yeah. if they keep on yeah. doing, yeah. And even the mentorship process, Tom, the way that we've set it up is they meet with us once a week for yes. 12 weeks. That's right. And then once those that three-month period is over with the weekly sessions, the next three months, they meet with us once a month. And so in those three months, like we're we're not monitoring on a daily basis, but we're checking with them. So how are you guys doing with the daily disciplines? Like that's the first question we ask them. Like because like some of them start slacking off even at that point, and so we have to remind them. You know what? You really should keep this going because you don't like you, you may not realize it right now, uh, but that was one of the key factors that that brought you from where you were to where you are right now, and you can keep going from glory to glory. If we would just, you know, keep on practicing them. Okay, well, good. Well, let's let's go on to some of the spiritual blockages. We talked about the spiritual atmosphere, but the spiritual blockages in terms of different things that you see that can really cause problems. Mm. Yeah. So first of all, we um, help them. Uh, you know, where where we, you know, there's the scripture taking thoughts captive. So mm-hmm. we, we learn uh, or we teach them how to, you know, uh, take thoughts captive, you know, because um, uh, when a couples come to us, the, the thoughts about their, their spouse is always negative. So, you know, um, so we teach them how to right from the beginning, you know, to nip it in the bud, all the negative thoughts that come. Uh, so we came up this, uh, with this method called the HALT method. Uh, so it's an acronym. Uh, the H stands for uh, hold that thought and A stands for arrest that thought and then uh, L stands for uh, lock it up in the cell with Jesus and then T is for thank you Jesus for taking care of the thought. So if you know if they start doing that um, they they won't have any negative thoughts you know that that will go too too far. Um, you know, they, they'll nip it in the bud and mm-hmm. uh, things will get better. They'll start thinking yeah. good, the positive things yeah. about their spouse. Yeah, and one of the things we have to remind couples, and by the way, this is not just for couples, I think this is for all believers, is to, uh, like sometimes people will say, well, you know, I couldn't help myself. You know, the thought came and overpowered me. Well, you know what? When you're a follower of Jesus and you're the Holy Spirit in you, uh, then you, you that you don't have to let that happen to you you know mm-hmm. you know you're not helpless mm-hmm. when a thought comes and so so one of the um, things we teach uh, couples is you have to picture yourself as a police officer uh you know because you have the 
a, a police officers carry a weapon, which is power. And they also have a badge, which is their authority. And so Jesus gave us authority, you know, over all the power of the enemy. And so, so we have the authority, we have the badge, and we have this power, the Holy Spirit. And so, so we're not helpless. You know, when a thought comes, we, we just need to learn how to exercise that power and authority. And, and, and again, uh, like, I mean, like, you know, we always heard this expression, take your thought captive, take your thought captive. Uh, <laughs> but most of the time, you know, we realized uh, that we need to take our thoughts captive after we fail to take them captive. It's like, ah, I should have not allowed that thought to go through. So one of the things we now find, because we give them this picture and this acronym, as soon as somebody can think the word HALT, that's basically all it takes. They don't even have to go through the whole acronym. It's like, HALT, okay, I'm going to stop that thought right now. The thought goes nowhere uh, beyond where it is right now. And that helps them avoid a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the first things we teach. And, and the rest of the spiritual blockages, Tom, um, most of it, to sum it up in one word, is forgiveness. <laughs> forgiveness. Yeah. Mm. Parts of forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiving others, forgiving their spouse. Um, yeah. And then we also send them to, um, in, for the inner healing yeah. that we had talked about. Yeah. 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 And one of the aspects of forgiveness that, uh, again, this is a revelation that, uh, that, that came to me one day, is that, um, a lot of times people will forgive, uh, but they still, you know, are harboring something, mm -hmm. you know, in their hearts. Um, and so you so even like, you know, you can ask your spouse to forgive you. They say they forgive you, but they still don't feel like, you know, like it's totally lifted. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so the Lord, you know, basically highlighted Matthew 18, 35 to me uh, one day where he says, uh, you know, my, this is what my heavenly father will do to you. Uh, if you do not forgive one another from the heart. And that kind of grabbed me. It's like, Lord, what does that mean? You know, what is this forgiving from the heart, you know, all about? And, and we go through a fairly detailed, you know, uh, explanation of what that really means as we unpack what, what the word heart means in scripture. Uh, but essentially, if you boil it down, this is the, this is kind of like the, the quick version of it is that you forgive someone not only for what they did to you or said to you, but also for the effects of their words and actions upon you in your spirit, your soul, which is your you know mind, will, and emotions, and your body. You know if it goes that far. And so, once you identify what are some effects um, that you know that your hurt had upon them in that kind of a holistic way, and then you ask for forgiveness. Yeah. For the effects of your hurt, uh, hurtful action or word, and not just to forgive you for what you said or did. Now, when that person forgives you, they're forgiving from the heart. And, and because you have you know, gone a little bit deeper than simply mouthing the words, yeah. uh, there's a great freedom that comes. And now you don't have to keep on carrying that, uh, like a grudge or that pain, uh, you know, uh, like with you all the time, even after forgiving. Yeah, so so that's one of the things that we we teach, and then we're finding that like uh, this takes a bit of time for couples mm -hmm. to really get a hold of. Yeah, um, you know because they're not most of the time you don't want to actually address the effects of your hurt um, because 
you're, you're, you're afraid of what those effects might be, <laughs> especially if your spouse tries to tell you. Mm -hmm. and these are some of the things, ways in which I experienced the hurt as a result of what you said or did. Uh, but when you, you know, you're able to communicate at that level, uh, then uh, like that really uh, you know, helps you to keep yourself out of being tortured. The other thing too, uh, forgiving yourself. You know, some people find it so hard to forgive themselves for some mm. of the things that they've done, uh, whatever it is, that, that's, yeah, that's another thing we teach them. And then repenting of judgments. That's another big part. You know, any, um, sometimes, you know, you, you forgive people, but you still judge them. You know, so, yeah. So we tell them, uh, teach them how to uh, repent of judgments. And then breaking off our, our ungodly ties. Um, yeah, that's the... Yeah, spirit, soul, body ties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, generational hindrances. Uh, so we do go fairly deep. As a matter of fact, like Sonia, I like referred to how we send people for inner healing ministry. Yeah. Um, a lot of this stuff happens in a more intense way uh, in those sessions. Uh, but really, you know, the way that we explain them in the book and in the e-course in e that we produced, uh, like if, if couples are in a, at a point where they can do these on their own, uh, then the in-depth sessions, you know, may not have to be quite as many or quite as intense because like we, we've basically given all the prayers that you can use, all the tools mm -hmm. uh, that they can use, you know, to, to get totally free from all hindrances that will stand in the way of them having their breakthrough. Another one you talked about is alignment um, in the marriage. Uh, talk a little bit about that, and you know how how does that work? And if if a couple's not aligned, how does that impact? It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this is a, a, a some in some circles can be a bit of a tricky one um, because the the well what, well what we talk about alignment uh, actually uh, is from from the teachings of the apostle Paul. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, and then again in Ephesians 5, uh, which is about uh, the Christ is the head of his body, and the the husband is the head of his wife, and 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 so on. Like so, there's a, a an, an alignment which is not a hierarchy. It's often uh, mistaken for a hierarchy, uh, and in other words, the the husband is does not have the authority you know, to be an autocrat, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of have his way uh, just because it's, Paul says, wives submit to your husbands. And so, uh, and so one of the things we, we teach people is that uh, like there's an alignment, but you have to pay close attention to how that alignment is to be put in place. So for example, Paul says, the husband is the head of the wife and the husband, you know, must love his uh, wife as Christ loved the church. And gave his life for her, and so you exercise your headship, you know, by being a servant. And and so, uh, so in other words, uh, unfortunately, in certain circles, uh, mm -hmm. you know, well, I'm your head. You would listen to me, woman, <laughs> and don't fight me on that, okay? Mm -hmm. Because God gave me that authority, you know. Uh, like that is a total. Uh, I, I'll use a heavy word, abuse, mm -hmm. you know, of of scripture and of God's heart. Uh, but at the same time, we cannot deny that there is a design, mm -hmm. you know, that that God put in place, and and when we are out of alignment with that design, uh, 
then you know we can expect things to not go the way that they ought just like if your wheels are out of alignment in an automobile Mm -hmm. then you're going to veer off the highway yeah yeah those who have uh, little children sometimes you can easily you know um, uh, put your children you know before your spouse so uh, especially you know the, the women so you've got to be careful, you know, make sure you, you know that, uh, you know, the, your husband is the number one person in mm-hmm. your, uh, in your life. Uh, same thing with the husband too. Um, your wife is the number one person and the children come after that. Mm-hmm. So, so that, you know, everything stays in the line, God, you know, and then uh, the husband, wife and children. Yeah. I, I wonder if that headship partly to, is representative of a responsibility that the man has for the well-being of the family, for his wife, for his children, mm-hmm. that understanding mm-hmm. that, hey, I have a responsibility to, to, to care for and to, and what happens, maybe the buck stops with me ultimately. <laughs> yeah, well, God has given that responsibility to the husbands and that's like all the way from the Old Testament. Yeah. The, the like the 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 male the man uh, was well, husband now or as a father you know has some very specific mm-hmm. responsibilities uh in providing leadership within the family and uh, and again uh like like sometimes um we we confuse uh, design with desire and so there's this whole desire for equality mm-hmm. you know that Sometimes when when people talk about, you know, how we want to be equal uh, in raising our children, equal partners, all those kind of things. uh, And if you neglect the design and put the desire above the design, now you're going to put yourself out of alignment. So Mm -hmm. it is not that the the desire, because, you know, on on the other, the flip side of it is, uh, you know, is uh, Galatians 3, is it 28, 29, something like that, about we're all one in Christ. There's no male or female, no slave or free, that whole thing. And so, so it's so it's not to lord it over uh, another person. Uh, it is really about you know like washing each other's feet. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's really about as a matter of fact you know the whole chapter uh, or the passage rather uh, that talks about you know husbands, uh, sorry, wives submit to your husbands. Verse twenty one actually says submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. The starting point is submitting to one another. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> there's this alignment, this design within that framework. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, we actually talk about, you know, how there have been times when, when I've submitted to, you know, Slojana, uh, you know, in, in, especially in terms of our, well, when we bought this house that we're coming to you Making from. decisions. Decisions. Yeah. Yeah. The decision to buy, to buy this house where we're in really, uh, as, like I was not at all in favor of, of buying a house at that point, uh, but but I knew that like the way that Slogan was talking about it, uh, like she had heard from the Lord, like it wasn't just her being stubborn about it, and so so it's like okay, the proper thing for me to do is to submit to her, mm-hmm. you know, in this particular area, and and you've done the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, with things that you were not really sure about. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like uh, in the beginning of our mentorship, he wanted to get some coaching, you know, so. And it, it's expensive. You yeah, know, we had to put it on a credit card because we didn't have the money. <laughs> but I wasn't too much uh, for it. Um, yeah, so um, then a few months down the road, Jeeva asked again, and I said, uh, 
you know, sure, if, if you feel like, you know, we need it uh, to move on, um, go ahead and do it. You know, I, I just wanted to respect him and, yeah, be obedient uh, and, uh, you know, respect his leadership. So he went ahead and did it. And that's probably one of the best things we did. And our mentorship, you know, just grew and uh, you know, <laughs> took off from there. Yeah. Then, yeah. On. And, yeah. and the house we bought, you know, has probably gone up in value three times. Uh, since we got it and so so that that mutual submission mm -hmm. and honoring each other and the design and so on you know has you know really turned out to be uh, you know very uh, you know profitable in a way uh, but also very effective and productive uh, for us so it's, there's a bit of a dance involved there mm -hmm. and you know the, the husband tends to lead most of the time but that doesn't you know preclude the the wife from you know from providing the the, the leadership input. and the input, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. the decision. And like, I still remember, I can't remember exactly what the decision was one time when Slojana said, well, you heard, you know, what, what I, you know, feel about it, but you make the decision and I will back you up no matter what mm -hmm. happens. And so, so to me, like that is the kind of, you know, submission, if you will, uh, where it's not me demanding, you have to go along with what I'm doing, but saying, yeah. you know what? I've, I've given you my input uh, and I can tell that, you know, you're not totally in favor of what I'm saying, but even if you make a choice that I don't fully agree with, I'm, 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 I got your back. Good. Good. Well, let's, let's turn to the whole area of communication. You know, it's a big issue. And in the book, you said uh, communication is the key to a successful marriage. Uh, talk a little bit about that, how, uh, that communication is a key. You know, you talk about spiritual deeper hurts and other things, but how does this communication fit into that? Well, communication at a very basic level is really about listening. Mm -hmm. And so, so one of the first things we teach couples in communication is what we call active listening. Do you want to say something about active listening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, you know, sometimes you even repeat the, uh, what the other person said. Um, you know, make sure you're listening first and then repeat to clarify things. Um, and yeah, the, this way, and, um, and you're paying full attention when, when the other person is talking also, you're not looking at your phone or um, paying. <laughs> or thinking about yeah. what you're going to say next, yeah, you know, true. yeah, you fully engage, you know, with your <laughs> spouse. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. active listening. Yeah, and that's also like a way of honoring, you know, your spouse exactly. when you let them know, even though it may sound silly to just repeat what they just said um, at a very like a simplistic kind of a level, mm -hmm. but um, but really, it keeps the conversation going. And when you when you simply acknowledge, yeah, what the person's funny, we were actually teaching this uh, to a couple a couple of years ago, and he said. Uh, Hey, that's what they taught us in sales school. It's called mirroring. Parroting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, because he said that's how I made sales. I just repeated to the customer whatever they said. And and they and, and I got the customer to eventually come to the conclusion that they needed what I was selling them. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> so, so it's not something that's used only in marriages, but but the, for the most part, communication communication problems happen in a marriage when two people just keep on talking without listening to each other and without acknowledging uh, some of the feelings mm -hmm. you know behind the That's words true. that are being spoken and so if you can learn how to do that but the but the, pro the 
the area of communication that causes more problems than not is when you have to communicate a hurt, you know, to your spouse. You know, maybe they said something to you uh, that hurt you. And so, uh, like, we, we've actually had a couple, uh, I remember this young couple one time that we mentored saying, uh, well, you know, in the beginning, I was, I would express, you know, how I truly felt about some things. And then, uh, and, but she would just explode. She did not want to hear it. So afterwards, I thought, why put myself through that pain? Uh, and so I just made a, made a decision that I would not bring anything up that was negative. So on the surface, she thought everything was fine. <laughs> but really, you know, he did not have a means of communicating the negative, what was perceived to be negative uh, in, a, in a positive kind of a way, if you will. And so, so we have to teach people the formulations. You know, and mm -hmm. one of the simple formulations that we teach them is uh, when you yeah. and I feel. So, you know, when you, uh, you know, uh, stayed late from work and you didn't tell me, then I felt, uh, you know, worried, anxious, uh, you not, know, not important, not important, all of, so that kind of stuff, rather than saying, you know, like you, you stayed late and you never told me about it. What kind of moron are you? You know, <laughs> you're so insensitive. <laughs> it, the message is still the same, but the way you, you know, you, you put the, the, you frame it all of a sudden makes the other person pay attention uh, because you didn't minimize what they did. You were forthright about it, but at the same time, it was, there was no blaming. You know, there was no uh, character assassination, you know, built into it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, um, important thing about communi uh, communication, Tom, is um, being transparent. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Being transparent. And uh, the transparency brings uh, uh, closer to each other, uh, you know, and the intimacy builds that intimacy. You know, it can be transparency about the finances or your health or, um, yeah, anything, you know, in your life, the more transparent you are, uh, the deeper your love for each other grows yeah. and yeah, gets deeper. Yeah. yeah. And again, there's sometimes, you know, like we ask couples, like, why are you not transparent about it? Well, because if I shared that, mm. then my spouse is going to be even more upset or they're going to think less of me, you know, because I have this thing in my past. Um, but instead, what often ends up happening is when they're totally you know, come clean with each other. Uh, the spouse, you know, they, they may be initially shocked yeah, or maybe even be hurt by what they hear or upset or upset. But, you know, in the end, you know, like it, they end up respecting you uh, because uh, uh, as, as much as it, something may be negative, the fact that you trusted your spouse with that secret, let's say, uh, you know, lets them know, you know what, my spouse is not going to hold anything back from me because they let me in on that part of their life that nobody else knows about. And so like one of the exercises we have couples do is called the lifeline, mm -hmm. you know, where they go back and identify highs and lows and then share them with each other. And we've actually had couples saying, oh, I didn't know that about you. Mm -hmm. Just from doing that exercise. So so that, yeah, the transparency is a, is a big a big part of communication. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. What a, a conflict resolution. You talk about... Uh... I think you say in the book, conflict, uh, when talking about conflict, you say it's actually a sign that you are communicating openly with each other. So 
conflict in and of itself is not necessarily a negative, but it could be a positive. That's right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think the way you deal with the conflict uh, is very important. So that's why we teach them those uh, steps. Um, again, you know, how, um, first of all, you phrase uh, the hurt, right? And then, um, and then you ask, um, uh, no, and then you deal with the feelings, the yeah. second step. Yeah. 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 And so, um, well, yeah, conflicts can go horribly wrong, you know, when, you know, you, you just kind of focus on the issue, mm. you know, and you try to defend yourself. Yeah, you know, or you start, you know, like doing some like character assassination <laughs> uh, type of things. And so, so one of the first things we teach couples is like, if something gets really heated, mm. then call a timeout. And, and just uh, like, like, don't let things escalate, because quite often, when, when things start to escalate, they can get very close to a point of no return, you know, where it becomes very, very difficult to then move towards reconciliation. So, and in that timeout that you take, uh, again, like uh, agree on a certain length of time uh, that you're going to be away from each other uh, and, and just, you know, resolving some things, processing some things. And then when you come back, you can have like a, a conversation that doesn't have all the, the, the heat uh, <laughs> associated with it. Uh, and so, so when you take the timeout, in the time, or this is where, you know, one of the things that we, we teach that couples sometimes find it a little difficult to grasp, and that is that you must forgive your spouse for what they said or did before they ever ask for your forgiveness. So you must, you must first of all, deal with it between you and God. Yeah. So in, in the spirit realm, and that's one of the other things, you know, you probably heard us using that term quite a bit here, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Uh, and we really stress that everything needs to begin at the spirit level, you know, before you can, you know, move into mm -hmm. uh, apologizing and all those kind of things. And so, uh, so for example, if uh, in that quiet time, I have already forgiven Solojana for something she may have said or done that hurt me. When we talk about it, I'm coming from a place of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so that, that unforgiveness is not hanging over me. So that changes the whole tenor, you know, of our conversation, uh, and so so that's so that's the first thing that we teach people to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we have a, a st some steps. Yeah, you know, for uh, a, a process mm -hmm. that has five steps for reconciliation uh, that we teach, and and that one is really a lot in the in the soul realm, you know, acknowledging, you know, feelings, uh, you know, making a promise not to repeat. The hurt. There's a lot of back and forth there. Yeah. You know where both people bring out, uh, like even as we talked earlier uh, about, like you need to forgive each other for the effects of the hurt. So you you know you you uh, enter into the other person's um, uh, under their skin, so to speak, and say, well, how how would they have felt, you know, by empathize. what I said? Yeah, empathize with mm -hmm. uh, with what they have gone through, but then ask, hey, did I? Uh, cover everything that I leave anything out mm -hmm. and so now is their chance to say well you know on top of all that you said those are all good I also felt da 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 right. so both people come totally clean and at the end of it it becomes easier to to reconcile yeah. you know as we always say like forgiveness takes only one person 
but reconciliation takes two. <laughs> well, let's move on to the area of, of sexual activity. And I thought you had a really interesting comment in the book. It said the uh, decline in, in sexual activity is often a telltale sign that something is not quite right in the marriage. Um, so in a sense, almost the one's sexual life is kind of a lit, uh, is a reflection of maybe what's going on. If it's not working well, there's other things not working well. Would you, is that a fair appraisal of that mm -hmm. situation? Yeah, well, even like what we just talked about, um, the communication and so on, um, like, and unforgiveness. Yeah. You know, if you, if you uh, are not like totally feeling free mm -hmm. to communicate with each other, to deal with issues head on, then that definitely impacts the way that you give yourself freely to each other, you know, in, you know, when you're enjoying each other sexually. Right? Yeah. See, lots of couples that uh, come to us, um, Tom, they, they haven't had that intimacy for a few months, some of them a few years. And, you know, and once they deal, we start dealing with some of these issues, um, then it will come naturally. We tell, we tell them that's the last thing, you know, we are going to deal with and it comes naturally. So that's, mm. that's the, you know, that's the way you want it. You cannot, you know, force it on someone, uh, especially, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, if all the other areas there, you know, haven't been dealt with, then it will come naturally. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's also a, um, like, and maybe this is one of the male-female differences uh, that we find often affects their sexual connection, uh, because we've often had, uh, you know, like, like wives tell their husbands in our presence, you know what, uh, my love tank is so empty, mm. you know, like, I don't feel an emotional connection with you, mm. and when I don't feel an emotional connection with you, I cannot have a sexual connection with you, and the guy's like, what's that all about? You know, I have no problem. I can have a connection with you anytime I want to. <laughs> and and so so to understand that, you know, and, and again, I'm, I we don't want to stereotype that because not to say yeah. that men don't need emotional connection, um, but typically, when you do not develop that closeness, that intimacy, you know, emotionally, then it's going to certainly affect, you know, the, the way you maintain intimacy physically. Yeah, and, and so and how you treat each other throughout the day. Yeah, it's important to you know you cannot just go into bed <laughs> if you know you're fighting all throughout the day and yeah. not saying good things to each other. Yeah, that'll affect your sex life too. Yeah. So yeah. one of our fa famous sayings is, "You can't treat your spouse like dirt during the day and then expect them to treat you like gold at night or in the in the bedroom, right?" right. And and so. Uh, um, so yeah, and, and even the transparency part has a lot to do with yeah. uh, how the sexual connection is. Because if you're holding things to yourself, and and your spouse, you know, like spouses can usually sense that very easily. Especially, I think uh, women sense that way better than men do uh, when when their husbands are holding something back from them. And it's like, you know, if that kind of transparency is not there, uh, then the, the, it, it definitely you know affects the sexual relationship yeah yeah for sure yeah what about the area of pornography uh, you know that's uh kind of out of sight of out of mind to some extent but it's a huge when you you quoted a number of the statistics about the people 
who have addictions or deal with it. Um, how does that affect marriage and its impact and how widespread a problem is that, do you think? <clears throat> well, the, the statistics, you know, are, are accurate. I think, you know, everything that we've quoted uh, comes out of, you know, reputable magazines and uh, websites and so on. It's a huge problem, mm-hmm. um, not just in society as, uh, as a you know, like general, uh, but also within the church. As a matter of fact, in certain areas, the numbers of um, you know people within the church uh, that deal with pornography are really not that much different uh, from those outside the church, and uh, and you know and, and I, I'm speaking from personal experience because uh, there was a certain you know part of my life uh, when you know when I you know gave into the temptation you know to watch you know pornography, and so uh, and our son by the way you know he has a great uh, ministry and process called Deep Clean that helps uh, Christian men get free from pornography. It's been like tremendously successful. And, mm. and he himself, you know, dealt with it. And we didn't even know about it. He was living in our roof and we didn't know he had a problem. Mm. Uh, because again, uh, the internet has been one of the greatest things to happen, but the internet has also been one of the worst things to happen uh, because it, it basically, you know, gave, you know, free access uh, to things like pornography. And so, uh, and like and I'm on a few Facebook uh, groups for Christian marriages, support groups and stuff, where just interact and you know provide some input and so on. And I'm I'm just like flabbergasted at how often this comes up as an issue. Yeah. You know, you know where where pornography is affecting, uh, you know, uh, people's uh, well sex lives, uh, or uh, somebody starts watching pornography and then before they know it. Uh, they're into adultery, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and they're starting to expect their uh, spouses to do things. Usually it's the guys expecting their wives to do things that they've seen, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a pornographic movie or something. Uh, so it's got all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, repercussions. Um, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say it's a, it's a form of uh, adultery because your attention is not with your your spouse you know, we are, there are women too who are involved in uh, pornography. So it can go both ways. So if if your attention, your love is not on your spouse and it's on someone else, then then it's adultery. Yeah, because uh, Jesus said, if, if you look at someone um, uh, I, lustfully, I cannot, lustfully right. you know, you have committed yeah. sin, right? Adultery. Uh, adultery. So um, yeah. It has been a major issue. The, there are many couples that have come to us. You know, that's one of the problems that they are dealing with. And um, yeah, major issue with their sex life. It, it affects all areas of life. And oh, uh, our therapist, you know, she said, uh, usually when there's a problem with pornography, they, they have issues with money, finances also. So mm. there is a connection. Yeah, I didn't know that. So mm. yeah, it it is not not a good thing it affects you know your children um yeah it's and it and it is definitely widespread widespread yeah uh, even uh, within the church you know even among leaders uh pastors the statistics are not very flattering because mm-hmm. it's so easily accessible now yeah with the internet and you can and... keep it hidden you know very yeah. Yeah. Heavily, you know especially now with phones the smartphones and so on that um 
you know, like, you know, you, you can be watching something somewhere outside the home or even within the home <laughs> and, and nobody else knows that's what, that's what you're doing. Mm. And that's how like a lot of the posts on this Facebook group, well, my, my husband left his phone and I just picked up, picked it up and I saw uh, some of the sites he went to, or there were some pictures here, uh, sexting going on, like all this kind of stuff. And so, so pornography uh, definitely is, uh, you know, pervasive. Uh, and, and very, very harmful you know, to marriages. Yeah, I was interested in your comment also about uh, sexual activity, uh, scheduling it in one's life. It's mm. not just based on passion, but also just, well, it, it says that, that communicates that that's an important part of one's life. And if it is, then you make time for it. Yeah. Well, well, God's you know design and desire is uh, is for a marriage, you know, where sex is very much a natural part of it. Right. A sexless marriage is not part of God's design. First Corinthians seven, you know, is a good example where Paul delves into this in great detail, and so he says, yeah, you know, you can abstain for sex, but only for a season. Then you must come back together, you know, so you will not be tempted. There's mm -hmm. all sorts of good reasons. Uh, and so it's kind of ironic because, uh, you know, when, when people are in their courtship period, you know, you can't <laughs> wait to have sex. Uh, if, you know, if you're, if you're controlling yourself, a lot of people don't these days. Uh, and then you get married and then you don't want to have sex now that you have total freedom to have sex. And it's like, like, what's going on, you know? And so, uh, so that's one of the things that we learned to do along the way. Uh, and again, like in my earlier years of pastoring, I was pastoring some uh, congregations with uh, like larger numbers and the heavy pastoral load and so on and so it was hit and miss you know and so so we we had to come up with that mm -hmm. day, that yeah. this is a day uh one day a week that no matter what uh like this is going to be our day to enjoy each other sexually and we're going to do everything in our power that day not mm -hmm. to be like too tired uh, you know, maybe postpone some appointments. Yeah, I'm too tired. I've been working like a slave all day. No, we don't say that on that day uh, because it is our day and, we look, and it's something to look forward to then. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple of other things. Our time's coming to an end, but uh, two things. One is uh, finances and also making time, um, you know, building time. What sort of practices do you recommend to, make time together and then in the finance area what are key things to look for there yeah you know with the time area the the main thing well, well like time is actually a currency of love and so so we need to we we let our spouses know that we love them by the 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 time that we spend with them mm -hmm. you know and the desire to be with them like that's really what it is you know i I not only love you, but I like you. I want, I love to spend time with you. And so the best way to do that is to actually, again, just like the sex once a week, is to is to set aside a block of time uh, once a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that we call it, uh, you know, our time together. And we don't book any other appointments, you know, even uh, unless it's really urgent. Um, yeah, we, we, we keep that time for ourselves yeah i mean, I mean date night is what most people would call it yeah. uh, we have a friend uh, monica uh, tanner and monica basically says that like every couple when they take their calendar for the week you should take a three-hour block wherever you can find it 
uh, and it, it may not be always a night, depending on people's work schedules and so on. But you must have a three-hour block once a week. That's just the two of you, like no mm -hmm. children, no chores, mm -hmm. uh, where you just do something you enjoy. And, uh, and and even if it means when you have children, let them know, hey, kids, you know, you're going to be upstairs watching TV. Mom and dad are going to be in the basement or in our room, whatever, or go out and do something fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you put that into your calendar and make time for each other, uh, then you know, you, again, you got something to look forward to. So yeah. that's one of the best practices. Mm -hmm. What about finances? What, what do you think is important? Oh, uh, finances, you know, you, you need to have a budget. Um, and uh, the two of us, we sit down at the beginning of the month and, um, you know, see where we are at, how much is going to come in, how much is going to go out. Um, and if we have anything extra, then, you know, we uh, put it towards a debt uh, uh, with us, it's uh, yeah. the mortgage. It's, yeah. uh, um, it's again the transparency, Tom, that we're talking mm -hmm. about earlier. Like it's actually, we actually shocks us uh, when we run into couples who have no idea of their their financial picture. You know, um, and then we've run into situations where somebody's had secret uh, bank accounts that the other person doesn't know about. They've mm -hmm. given loans that the other person doesn't know mm -hmm. about. In our case, it was a huge issue because I racked up credit card debt. Uh, that slow I had no idea yeah. was going on until we, you know, came to a point, you know, where it, it had to be brought out into the open. Uh, so, so, so it's like, um, like our pastor, you know, uh, Matt Tapley says, if you can't trust each other with finances and have joint accounts, you're mm -hmm. doing something wrong. Like he's very blunt about it. Now we've seen couples, you know, who are able to get by with, uh, you know, separate accounts and stuff, but still there needs to be total access yeah. for the other spouse to everything. So at any given time, uh, like like Slozan has uh, total access to our, because uh, all of our accounts are joint. Yeah. Yeah. So she can go in there and and check and see, you know, in our case, I'm the one that, you know, pays the bills and handles the money for the most part. Uh, but if you have that openness yeah. all the time, then finances don't have to be a source of stress. Mm. Yeah, we went through the um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and that's where we learned how to budget, and it helped us a lot, eh? tremendously, to get out of debt. So the only thing that's left now is the mortgage, a little bit of mortgage, and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so if, you know, and you also talk about boundaries, you know, protecting your marriage from outside influences. Um, of all these areas, are there certain ones do you say those are particularly issues? Is it the finances? Is it the forgiveness? Is it this sexual relationship? Um, are there particular areas that you say these are core and keep coming up? Well, the, the presenting symptoms with which people come to us uh, quite often, uh, you know, turn are about communication. We're not able to talk to each other. We're fighting all the time. Uh, like we don't want to touch each other because we got so much, you know, stuff built up. Like these are things. Or we're fighting about money. You know, like you know, we hardly spend time with each other. Like all of these are presenting symptoms. Uh, we believe, but the the the, the, the uh, process that God gave us to work with couples was basically saying. Like go 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 deep, go to the roots. Mm, you know, yes. 
and and really uh, like we're, we're, we're talking to a few couples right now uh, who applied for our mentorship and uh, one of the things we've been telling them is guys you're looking at doing a rebuild of your marriage on a on a firmer foundation because you know you built it you know like a helter skelter you know based on what you saw your parents what you learned here and there mm. and it's not working for you and so really what you need is a framework on which you can build. So your marriage is not going to look like ours, and we you know we, we don't want it to be. But the framework that we're going to teach you will basically keep your marriage strong, and you can keep on building and growing. And so, so that's why you know we have that that process. Um, you know, like even that download that we got on that plane. Once we put it in this order, and then started working with couples, uh, then we began to see that there is a, a method to this madness that <laughs> there's a sequence uh, that we have to take them through. Uh, but the presenting symptoms are one of those, you know, the, the five issues that I named. Okay. Well, in conclusion, um, if people want to get more information on your marriage ministry, where do they go to um, get a copy of your book, those sorts of things? Okay. Well, our book is available on uh, Amazon worldwide, really. And so just go and look for The Unbreakable Marriage now, there's a few book titles by the same name. As you just put Sam on top of it in the search. Uh, then we're the only Sams that have a book called The Unbreakable Marriage. So you should be able to get your hands on it. Otherwise, what's the best way for people to connect with us? Yeah, they can go to the sams.ca and they can fill out an application. Um, and then, you know, we, we can connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some free resources yeah, that are available right. on that website. And so it's very simple. We are the Sams from Canada. So it's thesams.ca is all you need to know. Yeah, the resources, you know, it will give them an idea or a little taste of the book, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 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 Where did, what's your vision for your marriage mentoring? Where would you like to see it go? Okay. So the vision God gave us was a bit scary because he said, I want you to be instrumental in saving 50,000 marriages from divorce in the next five years. Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, so soon as we heard that, I mean, once I kind of got over the shock of it, uh, I began to realize, and we, you know, as, as we started discussing it, mm -hmm. that we cannot do this on our own. Mm -hmm. And so, so we need to come into partnerships, uh, you know, with others. And, and, and one of the, the primary strategy that God wants us to implement right now is to help congregations develop marriage mentoring relationships, uh, such as like matching uh, a, a, a mature couple, meaning somebody who's been married longer, maybe like seven to seven, 10 years or more, with a younger couple in marriage, maybe in their first, first three years. A lot of times, is this an anecdotal? I don't have statistics to prove it, uh, but we've we've heard from pastors that couples start getting into problems in their marriage in year two. Year one, they will somehow, you know, make it through. Uh, but year two, quite often, there's a baby there. They start, you know, uh, not spending enough time with each mm -hmm. other, neglecting each other sexually, all this kind of stuff happens. And if they allow it to build up and don't have the tools to deal with conflict and so on, year four, they're, they're looking at separating or divorcing. And, and so, so what we want to do is to help uh, the, the body have healthy marriages by developing these mentoring relationships 
And using our book and our e-course, which makes it even easier right now, uh, as a curriculum, you know, so the couple's covenant to meet like like 12 times, 10 times, whatever works for them. And, and, and rather than just talk about different aspects, use this curriculum as a starting off point. And then the, what, what really happens in those, uh, just like we find it happening when we're working with couples, you get to know each other, you know, at a, at mm -hmm. a very, you know, intimate level. And, and we don't expect all couples to, you know, share at that level right off the bat. But once you get to know somebody and you feel comfortable with them, you know, you will begin to share. The, the good thing about this, this whole model is that once the 10 to 12 weeks are over, that relationship is still there. So three months down the road, you know, like something comes up uh, and, and, and the woman is not sure what to do. You know, she has to call, you know, this uh, mentoring couple, the, the wife that she developed a close bond with and say, hey, Shirley, you know, I'm running into this difficulty. I, I don't know if I did the right thing. Uh, you know, can I just talk to you about it? Can I, can you help me with it? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a pastor, uh, you know, and I was one for 35 years, that's a huge blessing because they don't have to come to you with everything because you have actually, without even realizing it, you've trained and developed and equipped some mentoring couples in your congregation. So that's part of the vision I believe God has given us, uh, or the strategy rather, one strategy to achieve that vision. Mm. Then there's the book. We are also training other uh, mentoring couples. Um, we have trained trained about two of them so far. So we are going to continue to you know um, look for that to yeah, uh, do, do the kind of in-depth work that we do. Mentorship, yeah. 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 So the the mentoring may not some of these couples may not go as deep as you do, but at least they've got the basics there. Is that true? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Tom, one of the things that we realized when we're working with couples is most of them don't have any tools right. to handle situations that come up. And yeah, I mean, it's a given that when you get married, you are going to have conflict. <laughs> it's a given that you have to deal with finances, you know, that once the children come, especially, or if you have very, you know, like demanding careers, time is going to be an issue, you know, time together and time. And then some people have great hobbies and things that they want to pursue. So these are things that are going to happen. And if you have some tools, you know, going into marriage, and if you have, you know, if you miss that in the, in the marriage preparation part, which a lot of couples don't want to go into extensive marriage preparation because the focus is on the wedding. They just want to have a great wedding <laughs> and they forget about the marriage part. Yeah. Uh, and so if they miss that in the early part, uh, like ideally, like one of the things we are talking about is uh, taking our materials and coming up with, uh, something for uh, couples in the premarital stage. Mm. So they go in with the toolbox. Mm. But if you miss that, even in the early years of marriage or even down the road, like we have a toolbox, you know, that you can use. And, and if you don't have something to fall back on, and that's why I think like in our book, we went into great detail. Like we shared everything mm -hmm. as much as we could because we want that to become a reference book. Uh, like once you've gone through it in the beginning, with another couple, then like keep it on the shelf whenever you need it. It's there for you to go and pick it up and uh, and find the part that you need mm -hmm. to resolve conflict or whatever the issue may be. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I you know I strongly encourage people to get a copy of the book or go to your website, get more information, and any concluding thoughts or 
comments you want to leave people with? Um, I was going to say, you know, there's two things. Uh, Keep God as the center of your marriage always. And, you know, you will never fail. You will never Mm -hmm. fail. You know, um, keep on doing, uh, you know, some of the basic things we talked about, praying together, um, you know, getting into the word. And and then, um, yeah, those things, uh, I would say the basic solid foundation. Um, The other thing is, uh, you know, don't wait too long. You know, if you're struggling in your marriage, uh, don't wait till it's, you know, uh, so so bad that, you know, it's so hard to uh, restore it. Um, you know, just seek seek help, you know, get talk to your pastor, or talk to somebody in your family that you trust. Oh, we are here, you know, so to help. So, you know, mm-hmm. what yeah, do you think? And, and you know, like uh, one of the things we often say is there's hope for you. Mm. There's help for you. You know, healing awaits you. And so there's no reason for you to give up. Um, and, and and I know a lot of people very quickly run, rush into a divorce these days. And so we always tell them, uh, like, like, make sure that you've done everything possible to restore your marriage before you take that step. And, and we're, we're even like, we even talked to some, some lawyers, Christian lawyers uh, in family law and said, you know, like, like tell your couples, have you done everything possible, you know, to, to work things out before you proceed, you know, because this is going to turn, this will, whether you want it or not, it's going to turn adversarial yeah. in, in some ways and you can avoid it. So, uh, and, and pastors, you know, couples come and say, you know, help us to have an amicable divorce. Well, don't just take that at face value, you know, say, hey, have you done everything possible? And, and whether it's, you know, through counseling therapy, through our process, mentorship, whatever it is, um, there's always a way that, you know, you can keep that covenant uh, together uh, because that's the promise you made, you know, till death do you part. And so, so don't give up hope. Well, thank you so much for your generous gift of time and uh, Lord's blessings as you move ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tom, for this opportunity mm-hmm. to share.